This podcast is sponsored by Safe House Rehab Thailand, the premier drug and alcohol rehab dedicated to enhancing the science of recovery. First, a plug for my sponsor, who has given me the opportunity to help the families and loved ones of alcoholics and addicts better understand the nature of the disease and what they can and shouldn't do about it, shouldn't try to do about it. We say in our podcast and blog that our primary goal is to help you make an informed decision at this critical stage of your life. Safe House Rehab Thailand represents the modern approach to recovery, founded on safety, which is why we absolutely outperform traditional rehabs when it comes to intake and detox, technology, and aftercare. To learn more about our modern, advanced approach to recovery, we invite you to visit safehouserehab.com or send your questions and comments to info at safehouserehab.com. Hi, Bruno J. here. Today I want to bring back Tony. Uh, We've met him before. Uh, He's a terrific young man with over four years of continuous sobriety. He's from the UK, as you'll hear soon. Today, I want him to share his insights in, in three areas. One is, and we'll take them one at a time as we go through this interview. One is the role of the family before and after recovery. Second is the role of the rehab in his sobriety and his um, wake-up call, if you will. And then what he does today, not only to stay sober, that is not relapse, but way more important, how he can now live a life that's for real, happy, joyous, and free. So welcome back, Tony. Hi, Bernie. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, why don't we start with the role of your family before and then after recovery? So the first thing that I would like to start off with is first initial reaction or noticeable reaction comes or tends to come from the people you're closest to and with, whether that be your wife, your girlfriend, your husband, your boyfriend, your brothers, your sisters, your parents, your uncles, your aunties, your and and so on and so on. They, they tend to be the people who know you the best and they tend to see that something is not quite up with you. Okay, so um, let me ask you then, something not quite right. What do they, um, do they have any suspicions about what was going on? So let's take it on to me in my, my okay, perspective. that's what I want. It's my mother knew instantly. My, the, my relationship with my mother is similar that we can make eye contact from 10, 20 meters away and she will be able to pick up if something's different with me. She could, Did she know she, what it she was? She knew instantly from my behavior and my thinking, my, my speaking, my, just my, my, my behavior and my doing, she knew instantaneously that something was wrong. At first, perhaps she didn't know what exactly. That's what I'm asking. And then for, for me, with alcohol being the primary, it's not too difficult to smell or, or see it, okay. despite how you describe it. So she it. connected the wrongness with your drinking, is that correct? Indeed, yeah. Okay. yeah. My mum did uh, straight away. So I think at first they don't really realise how far the problem's escalated until it's already escalated to a point where it's becoming unmanageable. I was trying to hide it and I was trying to be clever and sneaky about it. Okay. Um, this is after you graduated from university? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and you were how old at this point? When, um, let's say the last year of your using. My last year of my using, I was 26, 27. That, those are the last years of my using. Okay. Before that, the thing is, I always drank from 18, and it was perhaps sometimes excessive. However, it was never noticed or described as problematic. 
How do you define just out of curiosity? Now we've stumbled into it. How do you find a func- How do you define a functioning alcoholic? Because I've heard that term applied to me a bunch of years ago too. Yeah, I, I think many people have different sort of ideas. Everyone's got their own opinion as to what this is exactly. In my opinion, I mean, a functioning alcoholic. If you're consuming an awful lot of alcohol whether that be exceeding the regulated guidelines by let's say times five or times ten a day (laughs) daily however still going about your business and not actually causing any problems or or miss or interrupting your your lifestyle your no disruption to the workflow no disruption to to what's happening around you and just going about this i I mean i know many people who, who do that and have been doing so for years and i could say Yes, I classify, classify them as functioning alcoholics. Okay, I, I don't, I, that was a departure you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, so my family. So okay. family, instantly, they picked up something was wrong. After a prolonged period, my mum and my, my dad, not so much, but my mum instantly wanted to intervene and help and see how she could help me. Was your dad's reaction or response to your situation very different? than your mother's yes yes i think my my mum is very open and clear with her emotions and her feelings um how she thinks about everything whereas in contrast my dad is difficult to read i mean you can sense that he doesn't like what's happening but he won't voice too firmly as to how he actually feels about it okay so Uh, but he was still emotionally affected by what was going on yes this i only found out later on Four years later, or three years later, okay. I only find out, huh? which is a big revelation for big me. Because in my eyes, my dad was indestructible, and I couldn't hurt his feelings. Whereas it turns out that the reason for him distancing himself and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, was due to his feelings being hurt, and he yeah. was afraid. And, and he finally revealed that to you. To uh, what he fear saw. and shame. Fear, fear or well, a combination. It depends okay. how you kind of put it in a ball, but it's a concoction of mixed feelings and emotions. Whether that's fear, shame. I wouldn't go as far as disgust, but he had all the right to be disgusted. Yeah. I'll put it okay. that much. Okay. Put it in that way. Yes, my mum certainly knew there was something wrong. The family knew something was wrong. Later that gets passed on to the family. So my auntie and my close family, the cousins, they, they know there's an issue. They know there's a problem. The first steps of trying to help is in whatever way she knew fit. She didn't did know they keep AA, it, she did didn't know. Mo- of, I'm sorry. Did did your mother try to keep the your quote problem? No. Keep it from the no. family, or she no. shared it. No, okay. no, no, okay. no, no kind of secrets held okay. or anything like that. Very open, very clear. Okay. That's what you said. Okay. So keep she, going. Sorry. She also she looked for ways to help me. She didn't realize how bad how bad is the situation. Does he need kind of help? How do I go about helping him? She didn't really know. And my mum, she has a psychological background. However, I think when it when you try and do psychology or any kind of personal relations like that within a family dynamic, it doesn't seem to work very well. Well, no. one in my experience and okay. two i think from what i've learned over the years and observing other family dynamics it's just it's not a good way to go about it it really needs to be dealt with outside of the close okay so they tried to help i mean she tried to help in different ways she was reaching out to other people who she knew had difficulty with alcoholism arranged for me to meet them independently uh, the, the biggest issue was is that my problem was escalating now what was once a problem to being a serious issue to okay. now like right things are really starting to change here what does that look like that looks like i have a home in which i would very either try and hide or disguise alcohol i'm very now openly bringing it in, in okay. coping, coming back absolutely 
stinking of alcohol. Um, folk, my behaviour and my thinking is solely directed around alcohol. There isn't remorse. There isn't any kind of shame. There isn't so any guilt in what I'm doing. About it, yeah, it? everything about it is just nasty, sneaky, and it is. It's, it's like it's like almost as if you're entirely delusional to the rest of the environment and world okay. around you. Especially the people, right? Yeah, it's, it's just a compulsive obsession which you're consumed by. And it takes hold of you and it, well, it took hold of me. And okay. it, you behave, it's the behavior that's the most obviously apparent. How about your feelings inside? How, what were you feeling then? Feelings, well, they changed, obviously. I guess it was a period of grief for me from the beginning is... I, I drank always just on, I don't know, because I had good feelings or happy feelings or excited feelings. And then the point, the pivotal point for it was when I'd started drinking, not for those reasons, however, on a different emotion, which was pain, anger, disappointment. Okay. As soon as I started drinking on that emotion, I was trying to numb the feelings. I did not like the feelings. So I wanted to get, stop, stop be rid them, yeah. of the feelings as such. Okay. And that was my coping mechanism and as such a strategy to not feel. That was the purpose of the strategy drinking. Strategy to not feel. Yeah. Okay, got it. And as that Perfect. progressed, I became more and more distant from everything that can be considered normal to a okay. normal person. All right. So transition now to um, the months or weeks uh, prior to your going into treatment and the role that your mom played in all of that. Prior to going to, into treatment, it was very difficult time. So at home what got, got you in the first time into a treatment facility? I think the f first time, 100%, the reason why I went into that facility, I, I had enough. I personally had enough of the pressures that I was getting from okay. my family around okay. this. So you and caved, in other words. My, my whole reason for going in was, right, if I do this, or however, what, four weeks, or, or I wasn't thinking three months, this will silence or shut my family up, okay. and then I can go about my business. Okay. I commit to what they back. want, and that is it. Exactly okay. that. Yeah. Okay. And then, so you went in, and then how long were you there, and then, then what happened? There I was three months. Okay. Three months, committed to the program, did everything that was asked of me. Residential, and it was um, a working program. It was a working program re style rehab. Okay. Did you do the 12 steps there or not? No, not directly. Not, not However, okay. it was there. It okay. was there. It's However, it wasn't something that was pushed or forced okay. or introduced. So it wasn't part of the formal program no, that was available no, to you? No, okay. it was. Yeah, I mean, through individuals, through individual people, it may have been suggested. However, it wasn't part of the okay. curriculum there. So then uh, you went back out there. You're in there three months. You come out. What do you do? Um, I hadn't even gone out. And I'd managed, on the last day prior to my departure, managed to get alcohol in. Excellent. Nicely done. Um, on my day of departure, as soon as I was in town, straight to the alcohol, onto the bus. Didn't want to go home yet because I know that I'd be this. The news would get out somehow, shortly. Even though it was private, I, th I think I knew it was going to come out soon. And I made my way to one of my friends' houses, at which I stayed for two weeks and went on a what I thought would be, in my mind, it was a release. It was like, right, this is, I've done the achievement of three months, I've kept them happy, I can need to get this out of my system, I need to go on a two-week bender. That was my um, thinking at the time. Okay. I need to reward myself. Two-week vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> two-week piss-up. Standard practice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Of drinking and sleeping, drinking and sleeping. Then what? After that, as soon as I managed to get my way back home, they realized disappointment on their side, and this has not helped him. We need to look at a private facility. Okay. 
think there was another two detoxes attempted at home through my clinic and doctor, which my mum very, very uh, much pleaded for and begged for, and uh, despite we managed to do it. So the doctor, was the doctor... Uh, trained in... Trained in, in uh, addiction? No, she had a general awareness. Okay. But what I must say is that that was the first time that I was introduced to Librium, which in my opinion now, and in all de- having done so many detoxes myself mostly on Valium, known as diazepam. Librium, being part of the benzodiazepine family as well, is a far, far more effective method of detoxing for alcoholics, in my opinion, Okay. with my experience. And that's often shared with others too, so you're not alone there. So you were introduced to Librium in what context? My detox, as soon as my detox oh. began, I would be... So you're detoxing at home? Detoxing or? at home within, with, well, agreements were with supervision, so I was restricted from going out of the house. And and whose authority with supervision? Was this with the doctor? This was between my mother and my doctor. Okay. That my doctor only agreed to do this. They consulted. Okay, got it. Given the circumstances. So then how long did that last, and what did you do after the detox at home under supervision? As I had so many of these detoxes, they varied from 10 days to 14 days to 16 days, depending on how how bad at the time I was. Now, I must just please do note, I did literally have, I think, in the period of two years, potentially, I don't know, 12, 14 detoxes. Okay. Constantly in a circle of relapse, 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 because I did not want to stop. So you're in the vicious circle at this point? Yeah. What, um, so you're out of this detox, this latest detox. Let's just call it your latest detox. What, what happened after that? Because uh, we're talking about within, so, so, yeah. within a year of yeah. your bottoming. During every period of detox, there was, the, there was a fine balance of thinking, this is not from me, but from the family. Okay. Option one, this will help him. Let's give him another chance. Let's see if he'll get better after this detox. Okay. We've done our part. And your mom sure is driving a yeah. lot of yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah. Option two, if this doesn't work... We need to get him into a private facility where they can look after him and get him better. However, we don't know where to look. We don't know how to go about this. Where do we start? Where do we look? And it was a circle there with that is so look for a rehab center or see how good he is after he's finished this and whether he can actually cope and manage this by himself. Okay. But Uh, the backup is the private facility, all else failing. And and this is all due to, it's not, well, it's a lack of knowledge around this topic, sure, but it's not lacking of care. All they wanted to do was get their son back to I love that language lack of knowledge not of care back to a normal yeah it's very good back to well back to normal they say yeah okay so keep moving forward in time now you're within the last year of your um using drinking using days what were the steps after uh, it was discovered that this last detox didn't really do it you got to look for a private facility what were the steps that were taken by your mom so there was the first clinic, then further down the line, there was another clinic. These are local, local private? Yeah. Well, residential treatment centers, yeah, essentially, yeah. Okay. I spent some time there, came back out, same situation again, back into relapse, relapse, How long relapse. did you stay in the private? Facility? Five weeks. Five weeks? Five long? weeks first time. Okay. Or six weeks. And like did that. that cost a lot of money? Yeah, I think that's £5,000 for a fortnight, so £10,000 a month. Wow. Or is it five thousand pound a week? Uh, on those so lines, so it's, it's, it's a, a lot of money. It's a lot more. Yeah. yeah. 
for your mom. And yeah. your parents aren't wealthy. They're, they're middle-class, reasonably well-to-do people. Sure. Where did she get the money? My mom's, uh, my dad did everything in his power. Okay. Dad provided. Sold, sold one of his cars, did, did everything he could, you know, from his side. My mom asked for the family. Um, my mom's, uh, she doesn't work for money. She's a psychologist, but she works very, very in-depth in the local church community. And she's like a, well, she's, she's, the she's a helper. She helps her. She helps the whole village, the whole neighborhood, uh-huh. the, like everyone. Got it. Um, but heavily revolved. And she's in a, she's a, a well, the top of uh, St. Vincent de Paul Society. Oh, yeah. That's which is very well helping others. Try to raise the money. So that was the five-week stay. Was there another stay? There was the second time, however, I actually asked to go back there. So my thinking had got to the stage where I was, I want to go back there, please. That was part of my process, that okay. the thinking was... Do you remember the name of it offhand? Of the actual clinic? The clinic, yeah. The clinic was called Casterbury Court, which is in Watford. All right. Prior to that, it was Yeldal Manor in Treading. Got it. So you asked to go back because... What prompted you to go ask to go back? What were you thinking at the time? Hard to say. Okay. However, I knew I wanted to go back there. Okay. All right. You felt compelled cared? to go. Compelled to go. No, no. I, I genuinely, I wanted to go back. I was comfortable there. I, I think part of it was because I'd been there before, okay. and it was I was familiar with the place. I knew okay. I was, I was expecting, right. okay. and I didn't actually hate or dislike my time right. in there too much. Right. I adapted to there okay. um, quite easily. So I was like, mm, rather than going somewhere else, I'm quite sure. happy and okay. content going there if I have to go again. All right. But I think what was changing is that I was beginning to understand and actually realise that. I need some help, and it was slowly edging towards, I don't want this anymore. Okay. And now I myself, I'm not sure how to go about this. I, I've kind of started realizing that I can't do this on my own, that I am vulnerable, and most importantly of all, that this, this alcohol, it's got me. It's yeah. got me, and it's got me in a right sticky situation okay. where I can't get it out of my system. I can't get rid of this. On your own? On my own. I, I've I tried to cheat it. I tried to do it, the, in my mind, the clever way. I tried to outsmart it. I tried to bargain with it. It did not work, no okay. matter what I tried. And I think my, my learning curve was that I, I, I did everything to... So you were trying to... Uh, yeah, this. yeah, yeah. And, it, and again, that's another process. Again, it's a different right, kind of process right. of... As you have processes in grief, the same way you have in bro- in ways of cheating. Okay, Who are you cheating? You're cheating the alcohol. You're cheating yourself. You cheat. What are you really cheating? Here? Yeah. You know when you've tried it from every single angle and every, and, and much different approaches. Right. Even with temptation, it's, it's even that thing. It's where ah, I won't drink for a week and then okay. I have a little bit of into yeah, this time. Yeah, That's not co- accepting that. Do you know what? This is causing a really big issue. This is still bargaining with right. the substance. Okay. That's great. That's but it's great also insight. not. It's not understanding that. This needs a hundred percent bye bye commitment bye bye. Yeah. This needs to go a hundred percent. That doesn't mean you can ever touch it again. Right. Perhaps the thinking of not being able to touch it was difficult there. How did you make it to Thailand? There, that was I actually met someone in that in my second time in this uh, facility, a counsellor who was a uh, who, who I wasn't particularly close to or anything like that. He wasn't my counsellor or anything like that, but. He just came up to me, and I, I say this is the, just in the right place at the right time. And um, we're on the ready right to day. listen, yeah. And he just very, you know, very gently said, look, what have you got to lose? Like, I've got a friend, right, in Thailand 
who's, who's recently opened a rehab. I know, I know what you're going through and why, what have you got to lose about giving this a go? Think about giving this a go. Do you want, do you want, me to, do you want to have a look at it? Would you like to, me to give him your number? I know Thailand, have you ever thought about that? It's a lovely place and this and this. And he went on and whatever it was at that moment in time, I said, okay, okay. Okay. I said, yeah, sure, give me, give me the thing, let's have a look. And just a little bit of what was going on there also, my, my family were already looking at this point of relocating me for a secondary rehab, okay. whether it be in South Africa, whether it be in America, oh, okay. whether it be All in right. Europe, it didn't All really right. matter where. Just However, they were actively looking at putting me in a second place. I know that was their sort of goal, long-term right. goal. Right. And in my opinion, in this moment, I was still middle finger to you, to you, to you, to you. Anyone who even suggested that, or I heard about that, that I need to go to another place having to, after having left this place, it was a big fat middle finger to all of okay, you. So Didn't big, a lot of defiance. Sure. And it turned out that I looked at this place, which this counsellor uh, suggested, and I just made a commitment to it. I started talking to the guy via email, the owner. I then got in touch. Then I announced, I think a few days later, to my family, I found a place. I want to go. Okay. And that was as far as it went I think and then yeah. everything from there went very quickly okay. I finished after five weeks in this rehab everything was organised for me going to Thailand which I'm very grateful for and from that rehab I left I went home I packed a bag I did not sleep at home this was all done in a space of one day Right. packed a bag <clears throat> got to the airport got on a plane came to Thailand and so that was so you described the role of your family, particularly your mother, up to that point in time. How did the role of your mom change uh, once you entered treatment, and then when when you left and and were more uh, more or less on your own? What 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 changes took place in with your mom and with your relationship with your mom and your dad, for that matter? Point in time. Yeah, yeah. Right now. they were in a time. Well, before prior, they were in a time of desperation frustration, anger, exhaustion of just completely lost with what to do and just tested and pushed emotionally under all spectrums of everything. Um, and it was difficult, absolutely. During, during the actual process of you know, being in treatment, there's, there was relief, there was hope, there was believing that this is the right decision and wishing that this is going to be the solution. After having failed over and over and over again, I think it's only fair to say that all those initial feelings are distorted right. as such. However, the hope remains, believing that the, your, your loved one, your son, is going to get to, to where they believe that he should be able to get to. It's just everything's being tested and pushed. And then during, a, well, my dad not so much, but my mum and the other family want to be aware of, is there any progress? Is there any healing happening? Is there any change? Is there any, are there any results? How Impatiently. Often, how often was your mum in touch with the treatment centre? I, I would fairly say easily every couple of days, if okay. not a week later on after it slowly, she understood there was a process to that as well. So, so that was that. And then obviously upon exit, each time from one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times, there's expectation, you know, there's the expectation of uh -huh. okay. this. And then this is, again, I mean, now looking back at it and understanding 
the whole sphere of right. recovery is such right. and how families right, play right. an impact into everything. It's my, my parents were not aware. They didn't know what to expect. They didn't know too much themselves as we talked, having knowledge of the whole disease, the problem, right. the, the addiction side of things. Is, is they, that it was their natural, normal human response was to have the expectations that I'll come back and I'll be changed and this, that and the other. Whereas what we learn is that it's, it's not that simple. After time and time and time of failure, all those expectations of hope and enthusiasm are, are slowly stripped apart less sure. and less each time yeah up and down up and yeah, down. yeah and, and but i think with with the final final time let's say the final time the time i really did get clean things changed for me and i committed to my recovery and the actual permanent change what made you commit what made me commit yeah what made me commit it was you don't want to be like um, that okay. anymore no, no, no. Or? No, 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 it's just it's, it's how that's phrased it's this is where it happened what, what 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 happened for me was yeah of course i was pushed into these rehabs i was pushed into there however i needed to be pushed i had to be pushed because on my own i would never have gone okay. without the help of my family and friends or, or to help me i wouldn't have got there zero yeah. zero chance now each time this whole process and this three, four years being kind of now you look at it that we're taking from you. Right. Um, you're in a circle of doing nothing. You're not achieving anything. You're, you're just completely lost in limbo. Right. And eventually you get sick of it. You get sick of it slowly, slowly, slowly. And you're aware of it. Then you get kind of the urge to, yes, I do want to change this. However, I was still unaware of how to go about it. In all honesty, after having departed the clinic for the second or third time in England, coming to Thailand, whether that be five weeks clean and then arriving here still okay and experiencing what I experienced here, I felt that very shortly after arriving in Thailand, I'd had a t- I had a small taste of what I could say is happiness. Mm. I, had, I, I received a taste of happiness, which was enough to spark something, an emotion and a reaction for me. I, I, I got this and I was, I was like, ooh, ooh, what is this? You know, I like this and I wanted more of it. Did you connect happiness with freedom? Or was it just a good feeling? Perhaps. Okay. Perhaps. All right. Why did, did, did you why? feel the obsession lifting at that point? Within a few weeks? Focus, focus turned. Focus turned. I think okay. I had, in a tedious circle of three years, I learned the basics. And now I committed very thoroughly to everything that was asked and expected from me okay. in, in the rehabs prior. Okay. I did everything. I tried everything. The, the problem there is, is that I, it's not that I didn't know what to do. It's just my thinking was still focused and interested on not stopping drinking, okay. but finding how to drink, how sensibly. To drink sensibly. That was my thinking right. pattern. Got it. Everything else that was actually asked of me, I did. So when you made that turn, a commitment, would you call that an act of, an, uh, uh, an act of surrendering your old ideas and surrendering to a new way of thinking? Was that... Is that an accurate way to fr- we, phrase it? We, we say that in, in, we, say, we say this and we hear this, and I really do believe this as well, which is the change has to come from within. Right. What that change is, the individual knows. You know when that happened. How to describe that is, it's, it's not as difficult because I can try and well, put it into words. Well, just for you. Let's talk about you. It's, I, I saw that this was time for me. I, I knew okay. that this was time for me. I tried. I had a general understanding of what is expected. And I was willing. I was willing to accept and, okay. as we say, surrender to say anything 
that will make this better. Okay. And I'm now committing to this. It's no okay. longer I am going to try and figure out a way of how to drink sensibly. That's a very important But I'm thing. going yeah. to 100% dedicate and accept the fact that I can't drink again. That is a problem. I don't need that problem. I don't want that problem. And I will do everything that I can and take all the guidance I can receive Got it. in order to show me and teach me how to live without this, please. Can you um, also talk about how for many of us, I think almost all of us who are recovering, the idea of one day at a time really lifts the burden of having to quit forever? I think that one day at a time is a very, very clear and simple way to go about containing the fragile mindsets okay. which are erratic. Okay. And it, what, what I mean by that is that if you do keep it in the day, you, you really do have to focus on just for today. You don't need to dwell in the past. You don't need to live in the future. You right. need to be right. in the today. It's what do I need to do today? When, when I say, look, I don't need, it's less related to addiction. It's about not using a substance, not drinking a substance. Only for today do I know that I do not need to drink. Okay. Right? That it's doable. It's realistic. And you're in the present. It's not about worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow right. or the day after, the day after, the day after. So no a, regrets, really. No looking back in the rearview mirror and no living in the future no, no. really helps and it okay. is it's and it works for so many different things this is not just for alcohol treatment right. this is not just for drugs and alcohol treatment but for anxiety for stress for depressed for for just humans in general did that help you keeping things within that day with did you were you able to get relief from your anxieties uh, by keeping it in today not just not drinking but there are other things that come with it did that relieve the burden of... Initially, this practice of keeping it in the day helped me massively, okay. I think. And I was even subconsciously not even aware of it. Okay. I was completely unaware that this was a practice that was helping me day in and day out. Okay. And okay. it's only later do I think that I truly understand that. Now that I try to help others with that, I see directly Direct how much impact okay. that has on others. Right. Very good. And how quickly you can change someone's thinking that's erratic, stressful, anxious into something that's far better. Okay. Tune in next week for the next episode of Busting Addiction and Its Myths, where we now have our weekly episodes titled by topic for you to search and download at your leisure, all in the interest of busting some myths and bringing you the truth about the face of addiction and alcoholism today.